Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well we're continuing the series Property Core Skills. We're into managing properties and portfolios as uh, as the latest core skill. This is part two of a panel discussion that we started last week so um, maybe sure you listen to last week to get some uh, context and preamble before you're listening to this particular episode. Last week, we talked about managing a property, maybe a single property, maybe a first property, for example, a buy-to-let. This week, we're going to sort of dig a bit deeper, if you like. We're going to talk about managing a portfolio, but also managing more complex uh, strategies, such as HMO, service accommodation, for example. So uh, we've got the panelists, uh, the same as last week. We've got uh, Kelly Statham, Richard Parker, and Nana Piercy, who are joining me as uh, on the panel for this conversation this week. So I'm just going to let them pick up. We're going to pick up uh, around um, managing the manager and, and diving into uh, portfolio management and then digging a bit deeper into sort of more complex strategies. So here we go. So just to link back really to what Rich was saying, let's talk about the portfolio side of it because, it, you know, you, your dashboard, as you called it, if um, what I basically say is, uh, just to pick up on the, the ultimate, we're responsible as the landlord, ultimately. And if there was, you know, God forbid, that horrible thing that happened in a property, um, you might find the letting agent in the dock, but you're going to be right there next to them. That's mm-hmm. for sure. You know, even if you appoint the letting agent. So, you you know, you can't say, well, it was their fault. Actually, ultimately, it's ours. Um, so we need to manage the manager. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a property manager, whether it's a letting agent or your own person uh, or it's yourself, you kind of need to manage the manager. And so that, you know, that, let's just talk about that, managing the manager, Rich. So you talk about you've got a dashboard, but, you know, what, what do you do in terms of managing your properties and managing the managers of your properties, Rich? So um, being an engineer, I'm a very visual person. So, um, you know, I've got a number of properties. And on that, I have to say I have a data sheet that's got, you know, the uh, electrical certificate dates, it's got when the smoke alarms were last checked, it's when the fire alarm was last checked, has there been a legionella check, etc, etc. That's a lot of information to try and go through, uh, you know, a spreadsheet. So what I've done is I've had created just a one page that is fed by the uh, data sheet that produces a chart or a pie chart of some description or a graphic that indicates basically red, yellow, or green. So um, in the automotive industry, and I think a number of industries, they use, and it's called the traffic light system. So red, obviously, you've got a big job stopper. Yellow, there's some problems, but maybe we can work through it. And green, everything's fine. So on my dashboard, if I've got a red, I know something's not done. So, for example, it could be tenancy reference wasn't done, or it's you know it needs to be done for a new tenant that's coming in. Um, yellow um, for my gas certificates I like a bit of pre-notification so on my dashboard it flashes it doesn't flash but it comes up yellow to say 
that gas one of the gas certificates is due in two months' time. So I know I've got some pre-warning that in two months' time I've got to make sure that I've got that gas certificate done uh, and, and in place. And if things are green, I know everything's fine and I don't need to worry about it. And uh, it's it's just something I look at every month, you know, I go through with, with my small team and we just go through that and go, right, what are the issues? And, and it's very easy to spot because they're all, they're all flagged by the dashboard. Mm-hmm. So you've taken us into the area a little bit there of um, kind of the systems. Um, mm-hmm. So your dashboard or a spreadsheet or something like that. Um, might be a useful way to keep on top of your properties. But, um, you know, what, what are the sort of common systems approaches that we could have so that people are using? So you, you've got your spreadsheets and your dashboard that gives you those alerts. Um, I think, Kelly, you probably use a system, obviously, uh, when you're managing hundreds of properties. Yeah, uh, yeah a, a traffic light system, actually, believe it or not. So, um, and Nana, this is... A- goes back to your other question as well ask the agent what system they use because for me i found that um maybe reassuring landlords um was a little bit tight you know just let you know your gas certs on order or you know updating landlords was very timely so we um found a system that works perfectly for for the payments side of rents plus um any anything to do with their portfolio so i mean i don't know if this is being recorded but i I could share like the screen on the traffic light system um so when it comes to nana say for instance i'm managing your properties and you you wake up at two o'clock in the morning with that anxiety oh my god what is going on with my property is it okay because we do we do have those two o'clock two a.m moments you can log on and go Oh yeah, no, the the, the gas cert's there, brilliant, you know, and it actually gets emailed to you, so, so you can go on to your property portfolio and see what issues have been reported, get all your tenancy agreements, you know. Oh, I need to remortgage. I need to send all my ASTs. I need to email the, the the agent, or they're not open. Well, actually, you can pull everything off your portfolio as though you've done it. It's already there for you, so it's a fantastic system. So even though we manage it it's all there ready for you to just look at at whatever time so i know a lot of overseas landlords like that and then same same with your rent so but the traffic light system for us when there's the whole portfolio it pings up your gas search it gives us a month's notice on everything your gas search do your electric check your pat testing on every single property and it's just we then send it out to the contractor we know which landlords want the confirmation Again, some landlords have their own contractors. Some landlords want to send their own contractors out, but then some landlords want just total hands off. So we know who to send it to. And yeah, and then once it's ordered, it's it's ordered. And then it goes onto a system where we then go chase them up. We need that certain. So they let us know that they've done it. They've always done it, but they, they're, uh, they can be two weeks late bringing them in. So we're like, come on get into the office, I'll put the kettle on, just give us the certs, we just need these certs, because we don't like, we don't like reds, that means we're failing, and ambers, we just need to start kicking bum, green's lovely, yeah, so. Um, I'm just laughing at your style there, I think um, basically you need to know how to manage people, that's another topic we kind of bring you in, I think, actually, is managing the people side of it, but it's managing the people and the systems together, and um, 
I think just on the technology side of it, Nano sort of uh, gave me a cue that you might want to talk about that. But I think you know we've got um, you you can use a simple you could use a simple filing system, but mm. you could also use um, you know so like you could have a thirty day thing rolling you know um, concertina file type of arrangement or lever arch files you could do. But it's obviously quite manually intensive. Um, you can have um, a spreadsheet uh, with dates on. Um, the, you've obviously you could lean on the letting agent's own system if you're using a letting agent and they have that access for you, as you've just said, Kelly. I think there's also a number of like um, apps and software packages now that you can get as a as a landlord can manage your properties as well and you can store a lot of data uh, in those. And some of them are either free actually or low cost. So I think you, you know you need to make sure they're complying with data protection. <laughs> Warnings. Um, and so, yeah, what, in terms of making sure that if there's any personal information that it's stored securely and uh, with all the two-factor authentication and things like that, is that yeah. where you're going with that? Yeah. yeah. You're right. Um, you need to make sure that you're fully compliant um, and, and get those things in place. So, um, Nana, I know, you know, we, we started to talk about um, systems, so I think, I think I've kind of covered that ground, but did you have another question that you perhaps wanted us to consider? Yeah. So uh, let's say when you're scaling up, how about if you get bigger, is there a time when you could consider setting up your own internal property management operation, taking your portfolio in-house, in other words? Is that for me? Well, anyone, really. I mean, I just, that's an interesting, I'll start a little, little bit, unless you know, anyone else wants to. This is an interesting dilemma. I mean, Kelly, you said you were accidental letting agents for a start. Mm. And Rich, I think you were implying that, you know, I think you, you do, I believe you run some of your own portfolio and some of your sure. outsource. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then from my point of view, when I started, I was exclusively using agents. But um, when I got to a certain scale, um, you know, if they're in one place in particular, it might make it, you know, a, a point where you can consider perhaps bringing someone on in-house to um, to manage your portfolio on your behalf or perhaps you could do it or perhaps you could be part-time in the business to do that i think there is a tipping point um but if you think about agent fees and you know 10 you know eight to 12 percent sort of range for you know letting agent fees um you know if you if you do the economics if you do the maths um actually it, it's quite it's you know dare i say it quite an affordable uh, way to manage your properties. So you're going to have to have quite a number of properties or a decent rent roll to kind of make the savings worthwhile, perhaps doing it yourself uh, or even paying for, uh, you know, uh, you, you, could you justify a full-time member of staff? Would you need more than one? Um, if you think about the roles that are involved in, in managing properties, just think about what letting agents do. You've got people who manage tenants, you've got people who manage properties. You know, there's possibly other people as well. But um, so if you have, if you're thinking of insourcing, as I call it, bringing somebody into your business um, to manage your portfolio for you, you probably need quite a reasonable rent roll to justify the expense, first of all. And second of all, going back to what we're saying, you know, there's all the compliance, keeping up with the legislation, the training side of it as well. So you better be careful about, you know, that side of it. If you're doing it yourself, obviously that's quite uh, a burden to stay on top of it. And if not, it's, um, you know, it's a case of, you know, making sure that the person has got the experience to deal with that too. 
Um, so, Rich and um, <clears throat> Kelly. I, I have a follow-up question regarding that. Does a landlord get like reduced uh, fee the more several properties to have, or it doesn't matter? Yeah, they, they, they can do. Again, it depends on the agent and um, the business. If, if a landlord said to me, and they've got a portfolio, because we predominantly deal with, uh, well, I'll talk about HMOs on this one. If he says, I've got 10 HMOs, are you going to do me a deal? I would be a bit reluctant because I know what service they get. Um, and it's a really good service. I would ask them, are you unhappy? Um, but actually, we put our prices up last year and not one landlord. And we, we, we're not cheap at all. And we're not, but yeah, we're probably actually the most expensive in the area when it comes to, to the management side, but not one landlord. But yes, I would, most definitely. And because business is, you know, working business to business and you've got to look after each other as customers. So you can always ask that question. Yeah, well, let's just stick with it. I mean, Nana, you're always chipping away at the pennies there, making sure you know you got your you got your commercial sorted out. I don't blame you for asking that question, but let's just stick with the fundamental. I mean, Rich, so you 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 know you've got a portfolio. Um, what would you say? You know, um, fully fully outsourced, fully insourced, is there a middle ground? I don't know. What's your approach? What's your view? I mean, there, for me, there definitely definitely is a tipping point. If you're managing the properties yourself, there definitely is a tipping point where you go. I, you know, I don't. This is a full-time job, so I'll be honest. I tried a VA, um, that didn't work for me. So then I brought it all back to myself, and I thought, oh, this is a waste of time. I just do it myself. But then I took someone on part-time, and I worked with that person, and I, you know, I'm guiding them, and that's now working really well because that's freeing me up. Um, away from all the admin to focus on really developing the business because I, you know, I intend to get more properties and, and grow the portfolio. So I'm only going to get busier. Um, so that person started as uh, as part time. It's a it's a back to work mum. You know, I'll be very honest. So for her, it's great because she's got the flexibility. Um, I don't set days and say you've got to be in the office this day or you've got to work these days. Uh, we just agree when we're going to have a meeting, and often it's just via Zoom, and we go through our, you know, uh, G Drive, and look at documents and things like that. But if she wants to change the day, then she can. But you know, I kind of work on a certain amount of hours each week, because that's what I want to work through. But as I get bigger, uh, in terms of the portfolio, and her child gets older, and you know, is going to move on to school, she's going to get some more time. So it's kind of working quite nicely for me that, again, I'm dipping my toe in the water by having a team member, not have a full-time team member, but that person hopefully is going to grow with my business as I grow the portfolio. Sure. You coming back there, Kelly? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think by having, you know, it, it's great, Richard, but, but by having somebody, you've also got to think, what if something happened to them? You know, what they, because when you're employing somebody or bringing somebody in, you're then going into the realms of the employment rights and your leave. Um, what if they go, do you know what? I don't want to be here no more. I don't want to do this. Then that portfolio is then landing on you. So again, it's relationships and building more. But as your business grows, so if you want to bring it in house, you really need to think about that as well as 
worst case scenario. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've done this, right? And, and I think it, I, I can echo everything that people are saying here. So I'm, I've got some of my portfolio is outsourced to letting agents, particularly in more remote places where I've only got one or a couple of properties. So it doesn't make any sense, really. Um, it was really difficult to manage it re remotely yourself. But um, I've got where I've got a bit of a concentration of properties. And by the way, that's something I would change. <laughs> I'd have more of a concentration going forward than I did do. Um, but what I, I actually do have my own internal part-time property manager as well. But if you think about it, and Kelly, you know this all too well, um, you know, someone's locked the keys out at 11 o'clock at night. You know, <laughs> some, you know the, 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 there's a, a leak. There is, you know, there's an issue. And it, it, does it happen between 9 to 5, Monday to Friday? No. Inevitably, you know, of course, sometimes it does. Um, you know, but, so you've got to be available and contactable at all sorts of times. And if you've just got one person um, who's, you know, perhaps on a mobile phone somewhere, you know, they just may not be there. And, of course, that person needs to go on holiday. That person perhaps has time off sick. Uh, that person can't be available 24-7. They're probably not as committed to your portfolio as you are so i actually think it's a tricky one it's a really tricky one and it's almost a case of all or nothing and i think you know if you can have a small team almost maybe consider the whole insourcing solution um and, and it's, it's, it's no it's no coincidence that a lot of port large portfolio landlords become accidental letting agents mm -hmm. and i think that's a route that people often take they don't necessarily intend to take that route but they do but where it, where the crossover is is probably quite a large number of units. I'd have thought. What you saying? Yeah. yeah. Letting agent says yeah, and uh, Rich says, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, like I'm a, like I said, Richard, I, I think it's different for everyone, and it's just you know what what you feel comfortable. Man, for some people, it might be anything more than two, and it's oh, I can't deal with this. Um, mm. You know, for me, it was in excess of ten before I started to go. This is becoming, it, it wasn't that I wasn't capable of doing it. It was just, this is becoming a bit of a pain, you know, and mm. I need to offload this to someone to deal with all the, you know, day-to-day -day stuff rather than I'm doing it. Yeah. I mean, I've been transparent on my side. And no, Nana, I know you're dying to come in with another question for us, but um, I'll, I'll just keep you warm for a second. Um, but, you know, when I sort of ventured into having my part-time property manager, I was basically paying them, I'll be transparent, I was paying them £500 a month. Um, as a part-time property manager. But if you then gross that up to an equivalent letting uh, fee and therefore a rent roll, you know, you can kind of do the maths, can't you? Um, of thinking how many properties or how much rent you need to be able to justify paying that person £500 a month. And then, of course, they're sick or they go on holiday or they're not available 24-7, understandably. And you've got the, the responsibility of employment, whether they're actually a contractor or an employee, they're still that side of the compliance and the legislation as well. So I think, you know, the, the I don't know, I'm, I think it needs to be a really re reasonable number, but I think I get you, Rich, where you're going because you're quite comfortable and confident with things yourself and probably can provide that oversight uh, for that person. And um, I think if you are more of a passive uh, investor, then, you know, just kind of just give it to the professionals is probably, you know, but if you would like to get more involved in things and, and, and are happy to stay on top of it, there's probably some gains to be made once you get to a certain scale. Fair enough? And I'm, I'm sure Richard will agree as well, as well as the landlord manager, the agent, the, the agent has to manage the staff to make sure that they're 
doing what they should be doing as well. So if you do bring it in-house and you do get somebody working for you, you still need to make sure that they're compliant because it's your business still at the end of the day. So it's everybody checking everybody. <laughs> couldn't couldn't agree more. And I think, again, it goes back to managing, just managing everyone because where there's a buck stop. You know? Yeah. So, no, no, come on then. I know you've been waiting there, bated breath. You've got another question. I feel it's like it feels like question time, doesn't it? You know, we're asking the audience for a question for the panel. Come on, Nana, what have you got? So we have covered uh, the bite the let. So I'm I'm thinking about let's say if you uh, like how is it when it's lettings with HMOs and SA? Uh, what's involved in managing these more complex type of lettings? HMOs and SA or service accommodation, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want okay. the truth with HMOs? <laughs> Come on, Kelly, we want yeah. the truth. I'm fully grey underneath all of this, fully grey. <laughs> um, HMOs are very hard to manage because you have got um, not only the compliance, the legalities, uh, but you have got a very um, busy house where there could potentially be lots more... Um, maintenance that's required but you've also got tenants with different personalities so this i know this is another topic about managing people um so i won't go into that but they can be very challenging you will come across lots of problems that you never thought you would ever come across in your life uh, lots of different people so um and you need a strong backbone i personally think is, is it is it hard to keep keep it full like the HMO all the time you you are always going to get people that just they sign up to the tenancy and then you know that they're, they're a week late with the rent or a month if, if they pay and then they're not contacted or nobody's seen them so that will always do a runner um are they hard i don't i don't find letting rooms out very hard at all but it's it's our process how we work that but it again it and i'm sure richard will say it's the area the demands and everything that goes in with that so you need to be doing your full full checks and there is lots of checks unfortunately because there's going to be areas that are saturated areas that aren't so saturated i've had landlords come to me three four years ago saying apparently this area is really really saturated um, well no i beg to differ actually because all our rooms are full all that we've probably got one or two that are empty for, for maintenance reasons and i know richard will know this because i met richard who passed a portfolio over to us and that portfolio really really struggles but i know and i'm pretty confident that he can go to that landlord and that landlord say well actually it's been a really good it's been a really good property because they are filled and it's just how it's managed i think so so you suggest uh we that are remote investors should always like call the letting agent and ask their take before proceeding uh hmo yeah um ask them what that what the area is like what the market you can actually you can do your own research as well and i know a lot of landlords do this they put out the spoof adverts on spare room and uh, room what others do they use i don't use them so. Gumtree. yeah gumtree so they put out those kind of adverts on there um this is another question to ask the agent 
what platforms do they use to advertise rooms? Because if they're just using Gumtree, you are going to struggle filling your rooms, unfortunately. Do they use popular platforms like Zoopla, Rightmove on the market? If they're using them, it shows you that actually they're using money, that the, the letting fees to invest in the business, their business and your business to make sure that you've got a full portfolio. Personally, I hate an empty room. hate it. Means I'm losing business and losing money. Yeah, Kelly. I mean, make make some really good points. I think you know a lot of people. Um, so if you just follow this chain through, you know, a lot of people they'll either go on a course and be said just go HMOs because it's they're high yield, so you make more money, right? Or they'll work with the deal source and they go, here's a house which is going to slice into four or five or six, and it's going to be an HMO, and you're going to make bags of money, and you're going to pay me a lot of money for doing that, right? So there's just a couple of scenarios that a lot of newbies could fall into but if you don't research the area you know you might buy a pup frankly you know that you know is there the demand for an hmo you've just said in your area it's you know some people think it's saturated some people don't think it's saturated the numbers are there there are ways in which you can check the supply and demand ratio you can check things like rooms wanted versus rooms available on a spare room for example and that gives you an idea for the sort of supply and demand sort of mix you can do something like looking at the ratio of properties to let versus properties less agreed on some of the big portals like Zoopla. And that gives you another idea. You can look at home.co.uk and look at the average time to let, you know, for rooms. And that will give you how long it's. Uh, but I think equally, I think, Anna, you kind of asked the question and this is it. Um, so, Kelly, there was a, a gentleman uh, called Daniel who I think reached out to you, um, if you can remember. Yeah, was it today? He was today. today. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a chap who, who, who was saying to me, I'm, I'm looking to invest in the sort of Mansfield, Nottinghamshire area. Um, you know, I'm just going to spend some time up there. And I said, you must talk to Kelly because she knows the, the go areas and the no go areas. She knows street by street. Mm. Uh, so that's why I sent him in your direction. Hopefully. Uh, so you can complement his own research. That's the point. So I think a, a good letting agent will give you the time of day. Um, you know, to talk about areas, to talk about the demand for your property, whether it's a single let or whether it's yeah. an HMO. I would personally rather get involved with an investor at this point where they're thinking of purchasing, because if they come to me at the end and say, oh, I've been given your number, you, you, you know, you've been raved about or whatever, I've got a property and it's on such and such street and it's been given, I'll be like, sorry, I won't touch it because I know that that landlord's been given a rough deal. So you do need to check your deal sources as well. Because again, deal sources, they don't need to be lit. I can go, oh, this house is for sale. I'm going to put it over to you. And I want £2,000 for the, for, for the sake of it. I, I pass deals over. I, I send deals out, to not deals out to landlords. I go, check this one out. You need to look at this one. This is good. You know, because I've seen the floor plan. And they've got, oh, yeah, brilliant. I've got a landlord in Spain. He'll just go, yep, got that one, brought him. Brill. You know, so he, he's more than happy. He's just brought a 30-bed hotel for me to do. So I'm like, great. Um, so check those as well, as well as the builders. And the ways that you can check them are go to properties, ask what properties they've done before, see the work, see the evidence, ask somebody to go and say, what is it? like do viewings on how they manage properties as well um because getting into the property is where you see everything the real the real deal if that mm -hmm. makes sense 
So yes, there are definite no-go areas in every single um, every single town of the whole country. There are no-go areas, and you will struggle, and you will potentially only get problematic tenants. Mm. So it depends on your business model, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think the letting agent uh, as a source is is actually the best case. Can't even say it. Best kept secret. Because, you know, uh, whether it's an estate agent or a, a sourcer or a deal packager, what's their interest? Their interest is to sell you the property and take a fee, not yeah. necessarily for the ongoing management and maintenance and, you know, of the property and the tenants occupying it. So they, you know, they're not, they're not paid for that. So I think a letting agent is worth the weight in gold. And here's a story, and someone in, in our um, apprentice program at the moment, <laughs> it's a sad story. Because basically he bought the property from a deal sourcer and it was an HMO presented as a fully compliant HMO. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? It was a fully compliant HMO. And um, he literally gone through the full conveyancing process, was about to press the trigger, took him ages to sort the finance. There was a load of fees. You know what's coming next. And he asked, apparently he said, fully compliant um, HMO with letting agent in place. So he spoke, he then, he then spoke to the letting agent who was supposed to be the one in place. And they went, we don't know anything about this, first of all, but we're happy to go round and have a look for you. Now, prior, this is prior to uh, completing on the contract. Um, the agent went round and said, won't touch this with a barge pole. It's not compliant. And I don't know who told you that we were lined up to deal with it, but we've certainly not been consulted and nor would we touch it. So he pulled out the transaction. Um, because he was sold a very, very bad deal. And he, he's currently written off several thousands of pounds in abortive costs with the sourcer, with the legals, with the financing. And uh, it's a very costly mistake. And actually, had he, exactly what you said, Kelly, had he spoken to the letting agent at the beginning of the process, that could have been avoided. So um, that's a bit of a warning sign there. I won't mention the person to save their uh, blushes. But there we go. Um, so you always think the letting agent is probably the last person that you need to contact when actually it should be the first because they've got the knowledge, the experience, and you will build that relationship up. If somebody said to me, can you go and look at, you start to build those relationships up. And you, if you help somebody and you give them valuable information, your time, it then becomes a business if that makes sense and you build it together and it shouldn't fail and mm -hmm. yeah that that one deal like that richard could just be somebody's entire business gone out the window if it's the first one before they've even started which is wrong very well, I think mad. <laughs> in, that, in his case i think it was seven thousand pounds worth of fees so that was that was not a, a, a light uh, issue but of course if he had actually completed on the purchase it could have been a whole lot worse so i totally take your point but Kelly, once you've got your just there, and I want to move into talking about, we're going to make this a two-parter, by the way, if people are comfortable talking, because I want to talk about projects as well. But, um, and, um, but before we do that, Kelly, just wanted to ask you, Nana in his question, he did say more complex strategies like HMOs, housing mm -hmm. multiple occupation, which we kind of focused on a little bit. He also mentioned service accommodation, uh, short-term letting. Now, if I pose that question to you, if somebody came to you and said, I'd like to, you know, do some short-term letting in your area, how would you respond to that? We don't actually do serviced accommodation because, again, it is, it 
you, you can't have too many fingers in too many pies as such so taking on service accommodation is not something that I'm interested in however I would always recommend somebody that I trust with service accommodation and has that knowledge of service accommodation again you know service accommodation is tends to be quick turnarounds again you know you have your part there's, there's lots more to it so um, I would say, unfortunately, we don't manage. However, I can put you in touch with somebody. Yeah, I thought you might say that. Yeah. Uh, it's another specialist area. It's, in fact, a completely different business model. It's a, it's a hotel model, mm-hmm. um, effectively. So you talk, you're talking about renting a property by the night, by the week, rather than by, you know, on a, on a, a short-term tenancy agreement. The, the rules and the regulations, the, the marketing, everything is different. So I'm glad you said you didn't just, you didn't just take anybody on. No, and I know I mentioned that a landlord had brought a 30-bed hotel, but that is being turned into a big, big HMO, just to confirm, not a hotel. Okay. Just, okay. just something I'd mentioned while you guys were talking, and I know you've gone on to service accommodation, I think Kelly kind of touched on this, but I think beyond a standard buy-to-let, if you're talking about HMO or something else specialised like service accommodation, using an agent that is specialised in that sector is really important. When I did my very first student HMO, um, and I was going to have it managed, and I made the massive mistake of going to a standard, standard, you know, a standard letting agent, it was a complete and utter disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I've missed, and I missed the window for the student period. It, it was uh, all I can say. It was an unmitigated disaster. So then I took the prop. I, I took the opportunity to do some refurbishment and, and work on it, and then I put it with a specialist HMO student letting agency, and the operation. It was just like chalk and cheese. You know, it is. It's a very different way of operating the business. So. Kelly, you know, obviously specialises in HMOs. Um, for anyone who's got HMOs and thinking about putting it with an agent, don't think you can just give it to any agent. A lot of them, don't, they'll say they, they know what they're doing, but it's, it's again, it's a, a kind of, it's a different animal and uh, you really mm. want to talk to someone that knows what they're doing. And I'll jump on that, Richard, because I are a lot of agents that just go, oh, 12% for managing, oh, right, yeah, oh, 12, and there's five lots of 12%. I want a slice of this pie, and we're, we're seeing it more and more with really big national companies. So what you need to be asking is, how often do you do the checks? Um, literally, all the compliance, um, how do the co- tenants contact you? Because actually, part of the licence, and, and I, can, I can send you what a licence looks like, to show you what the agent needs to be and landlord needs to be compliant in. They need a 24-hour phone number as an emergency contact. They need all the contact details up. I've been to these properties that they manage. There is nothing compliant about them. What they are doing is tenant screening, putting a tenant in and leaving them. Big, 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 big no-no. Sorry. I- I think it's a big no-no. I think mm-hmm. we got that. Yep. No, that's great. And you know, I was going to make, I was going to extend this conversation to talk about projects, but I think I'm going to leave. Uh, we've talked about properties and portfolios at this point in time. I can see Rich; he's been up since three o'clock in the morning or something. I think he said um, his, his eyes are closing on us. So I think um, what I'm going to do is draw this one to a close. Um, you know, we, to be honest, I could talk for ages um, about it, but 
probably on a podcast it might not be great if it goes on for three hours so um what was what i normally like to do towards the end of a, a discussion like this is just kind of go around the room and get you sort of either your top tips um that you know maybe haven't been covered or your major no-nos i think kelly you just kind of gave us a major no-no but um if there's anything else that people want to add in terms of managing properties managing their own managing a portfolio what would be your sort of top tips uh, things to keep you know top of mind or something to avoid and then i feel free to join in because i know you do actually have some properties um and you can tell us what you've learned as well but i'll save you for last perhaps so um kelly or rich you want to you know kick us off with uh, top tips or things to avoid coming to, um, coming to you rich <laughs> okay so um for me it, it really is about educating yourself um if you're thinking about doing anything um and particularly if you're you know looking for agents or you're going to manage it yourself it's educate yourself read books listen to podcasts don't necessarily go on training courses you need then to speak to someone who's done this and it could be an agent it could be someone that you know that's got property you need to educate yourself and you know be a little bit informed before you just start and poking around in the dark um, is what i always recommend to people there's loads of information out there. There's loads of people. Uh, again, the good thing about the property uh, community is lots of people are willing to give you their time and advice completely for free. You know, we've all made mistakes. We're all quite happy to share our, you know, our horror stories. And so other people don't make those mistakes. So talk to people, inform yourself, and then, and then go, go forward on that basis. That's great. Thanks, Rich. Kelly, I guess I'm, I'm saving Nana for last so you can uh, come in with one, but what would you say? Now, again, I would just probably echo what Richard said. Um, ask the questions. No question is a stupid question. The only stupid thing is an unanswered, uh, a question that you don't ever ask. Um, get yourself out there on the on the proper social media groups like the HMO forum with Rick Gannon. He's, you know, he's very well knowledge about all these areas as well don't over invest in property courses again you know because sometimes they can be sharks too just know who you're working with it's your business and it's your responsibility if you want it to succeed make sure you invest your time and knowledge into it that's as simple as that thank you kelly come on then nana hey so i'm gonna say uh Trust but verify. So, so uh, let's say if you're working with someone, send someone with that that doesn't have any gain, financial gain or anything in there to verify what the person is saying. Especially when you're a remote investor. Um, Beside that, I think you guys cover everything. To be honest. Um, thanks, Nana. No, um, and I guess you know. I was, you have covered everything, uh, actually. One extra one for me is um, don't take the responsibility lightly. I think, you know, being a landlord is serious business. You're not just, you know, you're talking about somebody's home um, that we're providing for. I'll, don't just think of the money. Think of the responsibility that goes with that. You're looking after someone's home. You're looking after the property. There could be very, very serious consequences of getting it wrong. 
And, um, you know, if you need a selfish motivation, it could be serious consequences for you personally. Um, but need, needless to say, if you leave someone, you know, in a slum, you know, you act as a slumlord, you, you know, the bed's in sheds, the, 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 the damp issues that you leave, you know, unhabitable accommodation, don't be one of those people. Okay, so that's my biggest piece of advice is take, take the role responsibly and you will have many, many years of a rewarding, you know, property experience as a result. But don't treat it, you know, you know in a slapdash manner. So if you're going to do it yourself, get yourself educated, like Rich said. If you're going to get someone else to do it, give it to someone like Kelly, who's like, you know, knows the score, knows the way around things. And as uh, I'm going to link you all together. And as Nana said, always trust but verify. Uh, so do your no. desktop research. No. Don't trust anybody. Suspect everybody. That's okay. my motto. No. Suspect but verify. <laughs> We're changing it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Brilliant, guys. Well, listen, thanks very much for joining us uh, today. Um, I'm just going to do a quick wrap-up so that we can just, you know, send this to my producer in one go. But it's been a pleasure to have you, Richard Parker, Kelly Statham, and Nana Piercy. Thanks so much for making time for joining us on the podcast today. You can find the show notes over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Um, if you want to know anything about uh, today's uh, show or talk about uh, anything or even be introduced to one of our guests, uh, subject to them being happy to share their details, of course, then email me podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. And if you want, guys, I can share your links and, uh, you know, contact details in the show notes as well. So just make sure I've got those and that's okay to share, to share them with people. Uh, but I guess the, all that remains to be said is thank you so much for my panelists and thank you so much for listening today on the Property Voice podcast. And until next time, peace, ciao, ciao. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, it's interesting uh, to get the dyna- dynamism, isn't it, of the panel discussion with different perspectives, the letting agent, the portfolio landlord and the overseas investor, each, you know, with their own different perspectives uh, and me somewhere in the middle, I guess, you know, with my own my own insights. So we started off with uh, we're looking really at the portfolio management side of things and managing the manager. Um, and, you know, using systems was one of the first things that we talked about, whether you have the dashboard system or red, amber, green traffic light system that both Richard and, and Kelly referred to, whether you've got a, uh, a spreadsheet, whether you're using some kind of uh, property management uh, um, application or software solution, or whether it's a lever arch file or a, a concertina file, have a system in place so that you can keep on top of your property, um, you know, tenants and your and your properties is the, is the watchword there. And of course, letting agents have systems as well. And you can ask them what sort of systems they use, not just the technology, but how do they get, you know, how do they ensure they stay on top of things? I was literally talking to a letting agent today and uh, they actually have an external audit every quarter from a third party company. And they come in and they check everything in their entire portfolio and they produce a report. And it basically says, you know, what's, what's compliant, what's not compliant. And there's silly things that can happen. You can just get a date transposed or you can pick up the wrong date from a piece of paper. Those sorts of things can, you know, can happen, especially when you start to get into more complexity, such as running uh, or rather managing uh, lots of different properties and lots of different tenancies. So, um, you know, we talked about when when should you consider maybe taking your portfolio in-house? And we, we, slightly, we got some slightly different perspectives there, you know, from someone who's more of a self-managing portfolio landlord, taking on a part-time resource to help them, which was Rich's point of view. Um, you know, my perspective was that there's a tipping point, which is actually quite high 
that you know to justify the expenditure alone of bringing somebody in even on a part-time basis you need to have quite a large number of properties to be able to justify that not necessarily a large number of properties but a large rent roll so that that perhaps you you know if you can replace the cost of a letting agent who bearing in mind is a professional is trained to be to do this job um, we talked about some of the challenges perhaps of managing people uh, of not being fully resourced 24 7 and and still having to stay fully compliant so it's not an easy decision it's not a straightforward decision and equally you know you need to have a concentration of properties in a certain area perhaps to make that work then we started to move into looking at some of the more complex strategies such as uh, houses of multiple occupation and service accommodation and um, we know i think it was quite obvious uh, we, we're on a video call so i saw you know kelly sort of literally showing her hair i don't know if she was showing it falling out or going gray i think she said it was going gray because she manages you know hundreds of hmo properties and they're very hard to manage there's a lot of wear and tear on the property there's a lot of to, you know coming and going with the tenants there's perhaps more people issues to to manage we might invite kelly back on another episode to talk a bit more about that and how she deals with that so you know it, you need to be on top fully on top if you want to get involved in certainly self-managing an hmo and indeed the you know we talked at one point about agents who say yeah we do hmos but do they really do they specialize in hmos Do they really understand that particular model or they just sort of see it as an opportunity to make a little bit more money out of your property so you try and go with a specialist and the same applies with service accommodation because um, service accommodation is a completely different business model. It's a hotel model, as I mentioned. It's not actually sort of a residential tenancy model. Um, it's much more as a, a turnaround model, you know, managing logistics, cleaning and laundry, managing the marketing of the property and different types of platform. Totally different. So an agent who says they specialize in, say, single let HMOs and service accommodation probably better have a very large office and lots of different people to actually really pull that off. So don't just fall for it. Somebody says, I'm a jack of all trades uh, spanning these particular things because they're probably going to spread very, very thinly is what I would suggest. Um, yeah, some things to watch out for. Make sure that the agent is uh, is advertising your property, whether it's an HMO, a single let, or service accommodation, on the right platforms. And they really should be advertising on multiple platforms um, to actually get the best chance of success, which, as Kelly says, demonstrates the the investment in their business and in yours. In fact, it was a really we touched on dealing with deal sources and to you know to check on them, check on their credentials, check on their former work check with their former clients um and i gave a story of you know somebody who got their fingers burnt basically um by just over trusting um working with a deal sourcer i think again the value of working with a letting agent early in the process was highlighted so a lot of people think oh i'm going to find a property i'm going to buy the property and then i'm going to find a letting agent actually as kelly pointed out do it the opposite way around you know i'm thinking of going into this area talk to a letting agent go to this location, don't go to that location. They're worth their weight in gold, they really are. So engage them earlier on and a good agent won't mind having that conversation early. They might even be able to steer you into a decent property transaction. So have that conversation early. Um, I think, uh, where are we? So there was, um, yeah, I talked about using specialist agents. We talked about not overstretching ourselves across multiple different types of um, strategy. And I think we just started to conclude then with some of the top tips to wrap up uh, or, or no-nos, if you like. So Rich talked about educating yourself, speaking to people that have done this before and remain or stay informed effectively if you want to be on top of managing your properties and your portfolio. Um, 
Kelly was saying there's not such a thing as a stu- as a as a daft question. Ask all questions. Uh, join the right groups. Uh, know who you're working with, and don't necessarily spend a lot of money on training courses. We're talking about mm, certain types of training course there, if you understand me. So that's that. And um, I think Nana came in with trust but verify, but we might rename it after Kelly's intervention as suspect but verify. So don't trust anyone, just check everything, which is probably fair comment, to be honest, in this industry. And my final point was, you know, don't take the responsibility lightly because you're dealing with someone's home, uh, perhaps even their lives uh, uh, at the extreme. So, um, you know, make sure you you, you you do take it seriously. You, you recognise responsibility and that you, um, you, look, you invest in your asset, you safeguard your tenants, you give them a habitable, safe place to live, and it should, it should pay you back over time. So there you go. That was the end of part two, where we talked about mainly uh, managing um, uh, you know, portfolios and also more complex strategies. Hopefully you got some, uh, some merit out of that. I'm going to queue up part three, but I'm not sure if I'm going to get to part three. So part three would be a specific episode around managing property. So if you don't hear it, ignore what I'm just about to say. Otherwise, part three is coming up about managing properties. Uh, sorry, managing projects. Sorry, managing projects. So there we go. Might have to edit this out subsequently if we don't do that one. But there we go. The show notes are going to be at the website, thepropertyvoice.net, as they usually are. The um, you, can, you can email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, if you'd like to talk about anything from today's show or perhaps have an introduction to any one of our guests, whether that's Kelly Statham, Richard Parker, or Nana Piersi. Um, I'll be very happy to introduce you to them if you'd like me to. Um, but, you know, it, all that remains really say thanks very much for tuning in once again this week on the Property Voice podcast. And until next time, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.